0: Welcome to another episode of Money for Nothing, the podcast about music and capitalism. Today, you'll be hearing an interview between Sam and Kara of the Idolcast podcast, which covers all things around East Asian pop music. In a previous episode, we brought Kara on to give us a kind of rundown of the history and inner workings of K-pop. And if you haven't noticed, there's been some serious backroom business rumblings going on in the k-pop industry and so we decided to invite her back on to parse it all out and better understand it and if you're not like a fan of k-pop or maybe you don't like pay attention to uh its music or like what's what going on in the industry the story is like looks so, really extremely fascinating because the massive juggernaut that the k-pop industry is in korea is starting to reach on over here into the united states uh involving such people as the infamous Scooter Braun, and also the great Atlanta record label, independent rap record label uh, Quality Control, and so it's interesting to see that now it's not just the music that's it's not just the music that's crossing over, but now actually some of it's business dealings. Anyways, I'll leave it to Sam and Kara to parse it all out. I unfortunately was not able to join the interview because of scheduling conflict, but they definitely took care of business. Once again, please rate and review us, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on all the socials, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from people. Okay, here's the interview. Enjoy.
1: Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really, really appreciate no, it. No, of
2: course. Uh, I was happy, uh, happy that you asked. Um, I'm actually looking into um, SM Entertainment for another episode that I'm working on, so it was good, good timing.
1: This um, is, I guess, a little bit delayed, but there were all kinds of, like I would say, like a particularly money for nothing rumblings in the i guess korean music industry and so of course we had to, to reach out to our i guess now resident <laughs> idol expert for professional opinion on what's going on
2: yeah or what what did happen um yeah what it's didn't actually, happen yeah what didn't happen yeah it's pretty interesting um and what's yeah what's what's to come um i don't know how far back you want to start or where you want to start this story
1: so let's start maybe with the kind of what you described in a, um, in a post on your blog as a succession worthy boardroom drama. And maybe we can start by just talking about. A truly monumental attempted merger, and then maybe go backwards, yeah. and then go forwards.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that sounds good. Um, so the the basics of the story that kind of got played out across, you know, Bloomberg News and uh, the Financial Times, <laughs> among other places. Um, it sort of starts with this um, activist fund called line that's spearheaded by this sort of ex Goldman Sachs banker. And he is one of many, um, or at least a handful of these, um, I guess, I don't know if you'd call them like global, global banking people. Um, I'm, I'm not an economist, so, <laughs> um, but, but basically they've identified Korea and the, the the Korean stock market is having all these undervalued companies one of those undervalued companies was SM Entertainment. And so a line comes in, buys a 1% share of the stocks. And this is in 2022. And basically one of the first things that they do is identify some some dead weight uh, that's holding back the profitability of SM Entertainment. And that mm-hmm. dead weight is Lee Suman, who is the founder, um, no longer the the CEO, but he's the Um, very prominent um, in the company and he had set up way back in 1997 had set up kind of this i don't know what you would call it um
1: a a consultancy firm kind of
2: kind of a management consultancy firm um called like planning and essentially like planning everything runs through like planning and like planning was getting a 6% cut of basically everything that SM Entertainment did, like right off the top, 6%. Um, and this.
1: That's know, wild. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? It's pretty ballsy. And so, yeah, so this um, Goldman Sachs banker uh, was like, we have a problem here. And so essentially the first thing that they did was, um, get rid of, of like planning and, and then they brought in a new CFO who was, um, an accountant, not an, uh, show business person, entertainment industry person, but like a, an accountant who specializes in, um, sort of rescuing these failing companies. Um, so with those two things done, they kind of move forward and uh, Lee Suman is disassociated with SM basically they say you're you're gone you're out of here i think that was december maybe
1: so, so let, maybe it's worth it to just take a second and yeah. talk about sm entertainment and lee suman okay. and like who exactly who exactly he right. is what exactly this company is and why it's so important for his korean popular music
2: yeah, um, well, Lee Soo-man, he's a really interesting character. And I think in looking at SM Entertainment and their long history, um, I think it's really important to keep in mind that Lee Soo-man is essentially a Silicon Valley mm-hmm. tech bro at heart. Um, so he's he's a Korean. Um, he was a singer-musician um, in the 70s as a young man. Um, and then in... Like the the early eighties, he goes to Caltech to study engineering, and this is where he famously this is the mm-hmm. the kind of the lore. But he sees MTV and is very fascinated by it. Comes back to Korea and wants to get right back into the entertainment business, and so he uh, first tries with this um, company called uh, SM Planning built in. 1989 off of the back of this um, essentially the Bobby Brown of Korea this guy named Hyun Jin Young uh, who was popular um, but he had I mean
1: he was the Bobby Brown of Korea right (laughs) like Bobby Brown
2: of Korea yeah of course he's popular he was popular sing dance rap um, very handsome unfortunately he was the Bobby Brown of Korea and he had some drug issues and so, in 1991, you know, Lee Sumon. This uh-huh. was his artist. This was the guy he had put all this money into. And this guy gets um, basically arrested on stage at a concert and sent to jail. On stage, literally on stage while performing. Wait, on <laughs> stage. The story that I found anyway, um, and I've seen it in a couple of places. It could be apocryphal, but I, I think it's. I mean, print true. the legend. Um, Am I right? Right. <laughs> But the legend is he's performing on stage at this outdoor concert in Busan, um, which is way down in the South of Korea. But these big burly guys suddenly burst out onto the stage and like haul him off. And everyone's just like looking at each other like, what just happened? Um, This being Korea, unfortunately, he was just, you know, busted for smoking weed, um, which seems like not a big deal to us, but it was a big deal. And he went to jail. He comes back out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Lee him on this but this incident like really devastated that SM planning company like wiped them out but they try again with Hyun Jun Young and what happens the second time he has this massive hit record everything's going great I mean hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies but unfortunately the company that was manufacturing those albums those hundreds and hundreds of thousands of albums uh, went bankrupt um, because they had brought over the new kids on the block for a, a concert tour in Seoul, and and there was a um, it was actually really sad. There was a crowd crush incident, and a girl died. And um, oh, I you know others were very very serious. That's terrible.
0: Injured. I feel really
1: bad for laughing now. <laughs> oh no,
2: I set it up as funny because you know, um, but but yeah, it was really really sad. But I mean. In terms of SM planning, they had all of this money that essentially just, it vanishes, right? It just vanishes they, because this company basically went bankrupt that had all their money from the albums. Just like not um, an so uncommon,
1: like, indie label distribution story, actually.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so they try a third time. The year is 1993. Um, and it's you know everything is gearing up great Hyun Jin Young super duper successful like again the Bobby Brown of Korea he's just a really big star and then he releases his third album New Dance 3 like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pre-orders all of this merch lined up and ready to go Hyun Jin Young gets arrested a second time for drugs and essentially just wipes out SM planning. Company goes bankrupt, Lee Suman basically goes bankrupt. Like they have to, he has to sell off personal property just to pay people back. Um, And it's it's out of this incident, like this, the ashes of this that SM Entertainment is formed in 1995. And I think it's kind of important just to know sort of some of this history because I think it's easier to understand why he would form this shell company like planning um, to take kind of just this safe cut off the top of everything. If you understand that he had been wiped out like three times, like through no fault of his own, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Actually. It's also like, this is a man who will not accept defeat, which also like kind of continues throughout much of the story.
2: (laughs) It really, really does. He is a determined guy. And he's also like, he's, um, like I said, he's like this tech bro. Like he went to Caltech, like he's, um, so when he, he sees Bobby Brown, like on MTV, like his thought is like, well, how can I do this in Korea? You know, he's like, I like this, let's do this in Korea. And essentially that's kind of how the history of SM goes more or less. Um, there are some bumps along the way. So one of the incidents that keeps getting brought up is, um, so in so in 1996 right so sm entertainment founded in 1995 on the ashes of kind of this financial mess um and lee suman determined not to have that mess happen again he he creates kind of like the safest product of all time uh which is like this he's kind of like the lou Pearlman almost like forming this this boy Mm -hmm. band out of these very talented trainees And kind of sets them loose And they just they crush it They're like the biggest thing of all time ever All this money is coming in Which and, group is this um, again? This is H.O.T. Who are the first They're the first K-pop group They were the ones They were sort of based on SMAP. Right of course um, Yeah Yeah. But with the cooking this, too? This, uh, no unfortunately no cooking <laughs> But they had other. Stuff. For listeners there's, there's... who don't
1: get that reference, you're gonna have to go back and listen to the previous episode that Kara was on when we discussed cooking Smap, in <laughs> in like in in the detail it deserves. Frankly, yeah,
2: it's uh, it is legendary for good reason. Smap are legendary for good reason. Um, but yeah, no H O T. They they're so they're really great. You can I have an episode on them um, with like this H O T super fan if you're interested in digging into them but yeah they um like there there are all these issues with like their contracts and stuff Mm -hmm. and they in night so in 2000 um sm they get listed on the stock exchange the costs whatever the nasdaq is like the equivalent in korea um but it turns out that there was a problem with how this happened, um, that they did not have um, enough capital, really, and Lee Suman had done some mm, creative accounting, we'll say, where he... Chicanery! We call it chicanery! <laughs> yeah. And basically... Um, we love chicanery yes yeah. <laughs> Some real financial chicanery. And, yeah, he kind of made it look like SM had more money, he like borrowed money and then put it back into the company, making it look like they had more capital than they actually did in order to get them listed, um, which they were in 2000. All of this kind of comes out in 2001 and Lee Sumon kind of flees to the U.S. for a few years. Um, and this is called, or known as kind of the dark, the dark era of, uh, SM Entertainment. Um, but then this um, is the dark era yeah this is this is the dark era yeah we're releasing on sl- <laughs> not the previous eras <laughs> on the lamb. well at least he had hits in the previous eras um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so he's on the lamb. but then he ends up coming back in 2003 because i guess th- there's like a famous you can find it photo going around of him like wanted by interpol um but yeah he comes back he He can't be stopped (laughs) the man can't be stopped no he's no he's a legend he's i mean deservedly like uh one of one of the one of the legends um but yeah so he he ends up getting a pardon from the president um I mean, he you know he he uh, serves his probation time, but yeah, he ends up getting a pardon, and
1: and that pardon has like nothing to do with any like connections or financial no. dealings. Nah. Okay, yeah, nah. cool, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Okay,
2: <laughs> it's all it's all above board. But I, I think you know again for this story, it's important to understand that like Lee Suman, this he wasn't the only one. Like when Lee Suman goes on the lam in two thousand one, and then. Um, He's part of like an effort to clean up corruption in the entertainment industry. There are other people mm-hmm. that were also um, getting like their pictures, you know, in the press and, and that are all associated together in Korean language articles. The, the thing is, and I think one of the reasons that the coverage of, of Lee soo and and um, SM Entertainment gets so skewed is that we only know this story because of K-pop and all the English language K-pop coverage but um, like he was one of like three big um, like celebrities that was like they were always grouped together in these articles like these three well-known people one was a comedian the other one was another like um, like CEO of um, another entertainment company right so I, I think like not that what Lee Simon did was like amazing and great, but he wasn't the only one. And then when he gets pardoned and I think it was 2000, is it like 2005, six, seven, somewhere in there. But he was just like one of a list of, of businessmen that got pardoned. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is just how business got done. Like it's, he's not an outlier. And I think that that's something that's really important to remember, like, as we, you know, kind of go down through the years, because I think that, um, you know, that that isn't always conveyed in some of these stories. This is just how business got done back in the day.
1: Yeah, no, when I was saying that, I think it's a really, really useful point. And I mean, I am not by any means an expert in like developing nations, which I think, I mean, South Korea in the early 2000s is like. It's very much like a rapidly growing economic powerhouse that's just like making leaps and bounds. But but my sense is that in in the relationship between state and sectors and the kinds of the kinds of maneuvering a nation has to do when it's like on the come up in a very competitive neighborhood is really complicated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, you have to remember, too, we're just a few years out from, like, the massive, like, financial crisis, the Asian financial crisis. And so you do have right. a concerted effort on the part of the government working with industry. And the fact, too, that um, the industry in Korea is, they're called, like, the chaebol companies, um, which mm-hmm. are these family-run, like, little, um, they're, like, little, or big, actually, like, uh, they're just these big, big family-run companies that have their hands in everything. Um, so like Parasite, which people probably saw, that movie um, is the product of a chayball company, CJ E&M. Um, and so that's, you know, it's just something that these, the, the friendly relationship with um, these balls with each other, um, with their, like the, the different arms of all the table companies working together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have just the fact that they are these family run companies. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in some ways this kind of practice still goes on today, um, where you have like the, the different arms will form and then merge together because somebody's uncle needs to, to have a job or get paid or, you know. <laughs> like so, <Right. laughs> like some cousin needs a money stream, and um, and then you have all these backroom like handshake deals. So um, uh, so Hybe, which is the other big player in this story, the um founder of of Bangshi Bang Shi Hyuk, who is somebody who never turns down a CNN interview, but um, his cousin is the um founder of net marble which the major like they're they're under cj i think they're under cj and if i get that wrong uh i'm sorry but um but they're under one of these big <laughs> companies but right, 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 you know, right. but, but net marble then works with hype um to make a, a bts game um, and do you think they're getting like the most competitive deal there <laughs> like probably not um so you have a lot of this stuff that goes on and so that's why you know fast forward all the way to, to 2022 that you have this like Goldman Sachs banker who is like looking around this, uh, this stock market like, at all what these companies. Is going like, on <laughs> <laughs> like wow there's a lot of like untapped value here. Uh, you know putting on his like global like capital glasses like oh look at all this it's like entering the emerald city and like wow look at all this value that's available um, because we don't have to pay Lee Suman six percent of everything like what are we doing that for like just get rid of this guy so that's kind of the situation that um little yeah. did they
1: know that Lee Suman is not if if they had just <laughs> listened to the last 20 minutes they of this podcast they would know that Lee Suman is not a man you can just, quote-unquote, get rid of. Yeah, he's not going to
2: go quietly. Nothing can keep him down. Like, nothing, like, jail, uh, no, Interpol, like, nobody.
1: So, just really, really briefly, before we kind of snap back to the near-present. So, it's 2000 and what? Three, SM Entertainment is back on track? And so, just like a... a
2: Well, okay, so what happens, um... What really happens is the only thing that kept, um, SM Entertainment kind of afloat while Lee Suman was off, um, playing golf in LA was it, the, the shoulders of the entire company rested on a very teeny tiny teenager named Boa. And they had kind of packed her off to Japan, um, and we're like, okay, the, be a a star now and she did it and so it was essentially boa and her japanese album sales that kept sm entertainment afloat for those years so when you hit 2003 um and kind of lee suman gets back in the picture that is when a group called tvxq comes together and they were put together specifically to target um like the way that they were formed, it was like they wanted to attack all of Asia at once. And so like their name, you could read it in Chinese, Japanese, Korean, like they, they also got shipped off to Japan um, to great success. But it's, that is when like that, it was really like BOA in Japan and then TVXQ in Japan. And then um, that kind of ramps up Girls' generation, shiny, like all of these, you start to hit like the real golden era of what they call um or K-pop fans. If you talk to them, they'll call second generation K-pop, and that is where that kicks off. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and and from there, I think it's pretty smooth sailing, ish.
1: So, and so they're producing just like idol group after idol group.
2: Yeah, yeah, and like banger after banger. I mean the like, yeah. Um, and they start doing some pretty creative things. Um, like, so in, I think it's 2010, um, you have this thing coming together called SM town, which is, um, kind of this brand real brand unity of getting like all of the groups together. Um, and they perform in LA and it's just like this huge, massive success. Um, and it's just stuff like that, like where no one had really attempted that before to bring like a K-pop festival. And, um, one of the things that was like noted at the time was that the audience had a very significant number of like non-Asians in it, in that LA concert. So, um, yeah, it's just stuff like that. And then like, I think it's 20, 20, fans are gonna kill me. Um, that <laughs> XO debuts. And, you know, it's all of these very creative things that they keep doing where like EXO was meant to attack like the Chinese market and the Korean market at the same time. But they also for the first time introduce this like sci fi lore and storytelling because and here's another um player who comes in later, but the guy kind of introducing all this lore and stuff is Li Suman's nephew chris lee who would later become ceo but back in 2012 um you know sort of as this golden era is really hitting he's an a&r guy um, and a really good one too because he watches the fans he he is pretty on top of what fans like and so he introduces this concept of like this extended exo universe and they all have like powers and um he i think he's the one that brings in like EXO do, like, a Star Wars song, like, for the movie in Korea, like, it's, he starts bringing in, like, all of this stuff that, and fans do love it, like, it's great, (laughs) and then, like, moving forward, like, there's, they introduce stuff like the virtual concerts, and, um, they have a, a, like, a, um, messaging service bubble that the, it's, like, a pay thing, and artists can, like, send out like paid messages but yeah they're 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 always innovating like sm is always they're always always innovating but yeah um it's pretty smooth sailing kind of uh once they get over that dark era and so
1: at the same time in this 2010 20 you know 20 20 late 2000s early 2010s um as you kind of introduce our characters Another company gets founded, which is Big Hit Entertainment Company Limited.
2: <laughs> well, Big Hit actually, they come up. It's closer to like the mid, um, like the like like Bang Shi Hyuk. He is a you you see him on CNN as like this billionaire uh, CEO mogul. You know, titan of industry, he gets a start as a songwriter, producer, working with um, JYP, Jin Young Park, um, and he spins off his own kind of subsidiary company, essentially providing like production for JYP artists. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is just like how things worked back then. Like, you want a cut of, you want a real cut of the money, you have to have your own company that gets like paid as like a you know a production company and and
1: hes JYp is another yeah, they'
2: another major player and they still are and I think he's the only one of the sort of big guys that never took his company public which is kind of he's an interesting guy JYp
1: not the worst call to yeah, be honest <laughs> to be
2: honest yeah yeah actually if anyone is curious he, um, appears with Conan like when Conan O'Brien goes to Korea like JYP pops up in that but yeah so so Bang starts off as like the songwriter producer and he he originally has this idea for he wants to make like a an interactive like uh like a, a web comic that's going to have like a an idol component, but also a story component and like songs and like, he has this very ambitious idea that completely flops, you know, does not do well. Um, and so he kind of goes back to producing and writing and, you know, he's doing okay. But when you come to kind of that again, that like 2010, 2011, 2012, it's around that time that the k-pop industry is coalescing as like a k-pop industry and idols are booming like the idol business is booming and so um big hit which had been doing kind of like these ballad groups and very you know we would call it like what middle of the road or like easy listening or you know that kind of very uh just, you know, like normal, normal people music. He (laughs) sees clearly that like, oh, if I want to make money, I need to be doing that over there. Um, and so (laughs) that's where he kind of gets this idea for, um, what would become BTS. Uh, there like, there was just this massive boom in hip hop idol groups, like this huge boom. Um, and so, yeah, so he gets in on it with his hip
1: hop idol group bts
2: and i mean in
1: fairness it was a good idea i guess
2: yeah. it was a great <laughs> like idea. that worked yeah.
1: out that worked <laughs> out pretty well for him.
2: yeah so so yeah um and but he again like had some there's like a lot of drama that that went on with big hit there they had a girl group called glam that um one of the members had to quit because it turns out she was a stalker and then another member She was got, a stalker. She was a stalker. Oh yeah, dear. She was yeah. <laughs> and then another quit because she was caught blackmailing um like this and this uh famous actor. What? Yeah. This has all been like memory hold, but yeah, if you were around at the time. Yeah, the um oh I forget his name. He was in the G. I. Joe movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> This is all the drums. all the drama comes out. But, um, yeah, so that, so glam, which like, so they had these like two, like they were supposed to be like the girl group and then the boy group. And these are going to be our two tentpole groups a big hit, but the girl group imploded. It was a huge mess. Um, and then, yeah, this is about 2015. And so this is the point where, um, they're kind of like okay. Well, we really have to double down and like make some money. Um, and so yeah, BTS to start grinding, um, like just okay. working like super. And ladies super and hard.
1: gentlemen, they did indeed make some money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they made some money big time. Um, yeah, but but those are kind of the origins of um, like the like the the bang PD and like and what I think is interesting if you follow kind of the path of bts is that he does keep trying to to do that like ongoing story because there's this whole thing with like the bts like extended universe that there's um there's now actually a web drama like a web series that's gonna be this like what his original idea of like the (laughs) like like you have the series, and you have the songs, and you have the idols, and we'll have to see if it. You know, the world wasn't ready in two thousand like seven, but we're ready now in like twenty twenty three. It'll be interesting.
1: So, uh and the funny thing about Big Hit, if I'm wrong, uh, which is later renamed Hype, is that unlike SM, it really the BTS show there to a pretty remarkable extent. It's really built around this one one band to the point where I think employees were. uh like arraigned for insider trading for selling stocks after the news of uh you know BTS I guess uh, slowing down I guess uh, I don't it's not a hiatus exactly but like no am I wrong
2: well no no you're right um and the, it is I would say that that um that wasn't the intention it happened that way but that was not the intention on the part of Big Hit to have the BTS show. That that was never the plan.
1: No, 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 no. But, but it was, they they end up really, and I think that, that that what we'll talk about, I mean, I think that that's a really important driver for kind of the story that we're, we're outlining here, right? Is like Big Hit is, or HYBE, is a, is a tremendously profitable company with, based around, Mostly around a single artist that is really trying to not stay that way.
2: Yeah, because they have tried. Here's the the thing that's interesting and in that about Big Hit slash Hype that's very different from SM is that while SM, I think their real strength has, you know, definitely the the sort of techie Silicon Valley bro mindset of Lee Suman has been a very good. Uh, very good for them and just getting their content in front of people but the fact is, is is they've always had really good content SM Entertainment makes great music they put out great idol groups um, and fans really like it like they, they keep their fans satisfied and they have done mm-hmm. for you know uh, since 1989 right um Right and big hit. It's just it's they have BTS, and they've tried they tried with the girl group glam. They had some of these middle of the road acts that are kind of like vestigially there, like if you know where to look, like you can kind of like find them. Um, and then yeah, like that that was it. Like for you, they just had BTS. Like they put. Everything like they just doubled down. They bet it all on BTS and I mean it worked um, It might not have but yeah, they they tried to debut um, Another boy group called TXT and market them as BTS's little brothers essentially But I mean T- T- TXT has ended up doing okay but in yeah, they're, they're considered part of, like, the fourth generation of K-pop, and there's a lot of issues, um, with, with the fourth generation that we can maybe touch on if it, you know, we get to it, but, um, the fourth generation of K-pop has, has problems, and yeah, like, that's, they've, they've sustained themselves, essentially, big hit, high, um, by purchasing other companies, so they bought, um the company that had the second biggest boy group at the time, seventeen, so now seventeen is under Hybe. Um, yeah, that's just uh like they that's yeah, this is what they've
1: done. And we'll talk about this later. They also bought Ithaca Holdings, um which is scooter bronze label which has Ariana Grande and uh Jay Beebs. And
2: just around the time that all of this you know succession drama was popping off in like february 2023 they bought um a label down in atlanta was it the
1: quality control yes. absolutely mm-hmm. uh probably the most successful independent rap label coach yeah. uh coach case quality control probably the most successful independent rap label of the 2010s ego S- city girls a lot of really um major major stars
2: and um Bang PD has talked about buying like some like in South America and Africa. Like he, yeah, he has uh, he has a lot of ambition. But yeah, but that's what they've done. Like they SM makes or made uh, idols, you know, artists um, and, and HYBE <laughs> outside of BTS has mostly been uh, just purchasing them.
1: Okay. I think that we have had Enough setup for the drama.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, K-pop is fascinating. Um,
1: It's a tangled web, man. It's a very tangled
2: (laughs) web, yeah, because it's not even worth, like, trying to pick apart, like, who owns who and, like, what, like, how many shell companies were formed. I mean, like, planning is the important one to know because I think that was kind of the last straw for uh, our, our... goldman sachs banker
1: so yeah so let's go back to our goldman sachs banker who shows up
2: up and is like what in
1: korea and is like what (laughs) is happening
2: um what is going on here yeah so so he uh, gets enough like clout behind him and is like okay you have to get rid of like planning you have to um and so yeah they they get rid of like planning um and they get rid of Lee Suman they bring in this accountant from outside the entertainment industry like a legit like financial guy um, and then everything kind of comes to a head in Jan- like it's I want to say maybe January 2023 there's a letter that goes out threatening um, like if they really don't clear up the corruption people are gonna get investigated and maybe go to jail and i think this kind of puts everyone on edge and people that maybe had been supporting lee suman were like oh maybe i should instead line up behind a line because that seems to be where i won't go to jail (laughs) and um so you have these kind of divisions forming and
1: and then Lee Suman's nephew is a major part of this, oh, right? Oh, yes.
2: Sorry, yes. Yeah. So Lee Suman's nephew at the time is the CEO, and he was the one. He's the- ve- Former A&R guy. Former A&R guy, great A&R guy, which unfortunately he seems to have been promoted to his highest level of incompetence uh, because he does not handle all of this very well at all because um, he was promoted up in 20, 2019 or 2020, um, and yeah- uh, things kind of well i mean the pandemic didn't help sure but
1: and basically from from my research it seems like he is technically the ceo but all the decisions are going through lee suman's shady semi shady allegedly shady like management consulting company that is kind of like this weird <laughs> organ attached to sm entertainment that is making all the decisions and that is that right kind yeah, of
2: kind of um i
1: mean
2: yeah yeah and it's you know it's it's an organ that i think you know maybe you don't know what it does but everyone's been like well let's just leave it alone everything kind of seems to work so let's just keep it as is um but yeah yeah so he was ceo um but yeah the A lot of the like the artistic decisions and all that kind of stuff. It yeah, everything kind of funneled through like planning, and it seems including that that six (laughs) percent.
1: The six percent and it and it seems a little (laughs) bit right. Like to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong here. Like you can imagine some of the some of the forces that bring things to a head. Right. It's what 2020, 2021, 2022. The world's eyes are increasingly on K-pop. They're increasingly on the massive just like (laughs) Olympic sized swimming pools of cash that companies clearly can produce. And my sense is that SM entertainment, while like very, very, very profitable is not, is not doing like high levels necessarily.
2: Yeah. They're not doing high levels at all. And it's, and I think, yeah, like that's where our align banker comes in and is like, we have a gap here between money coming in and money that could be
1: coming in. And so at at that point, there is a kind of like a palace coup a little bit, right? Where the the nephew is like, I'm not going to serve as a rubber stamp anymore. We're going to cut ties with this consulting company, except that Lee Suman doesn't just own the consulting company. (laughs) Lee Suman, the founder of SM entertainment, Owns a large, the the largest, I believe, chunk of SM entertainment at like eighteen percent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was a majority shareholder. Yeah. And there's another piece here too, um, which is so yeah, you have all of these things kind of getting lined up um behind the scenes. You know, this letter goes out, people are on edge. Um and chris lee kind of he's really between a rock and a hard place i I kind of feel bad for the guy actually i think uh he didn't handle this well but it was a tough situation we all saw succession Um,
1: it's not fun you don't actually want to be one of the roy's
2: (laughs) no you don't and so so yeah so he's you know he doesn't want to go to jail he doesn't want to he's like okay well i'm gonna keep my job i'm gonna go with Align, and what Align wanted to do was, um, bring in (laughs) Kakao, which is, like, the massive, like, tech company, huge, huge, like, the Google of Korea, basically, and Kakao has wanted to really beef up their entertainment wing, um, before taking it public, and if you know, uh, oh my god, Kakao, I sent you the link, like, their big product, um, like was this of 2020 early 2023 was like this ai idol group that were just it's it looks like a bad cutscene it's terrible like no like they needed they wanted that sm content that like quality sm content and so um cacao was also flush with money from uh The Saudi, like, what is it? The P-I-F. It's all over the news today um, because they just bought, like, that golf tournament.
1: Right. And Kakao publishes, like, games and apps. And there's a... They they have their own... I think this is important for when we get to kind of, like, the implications of this. They have platforms, too. So Kakao Talk is this, like, large platform. I mean, according to Wikipedia, 93% of... South Korean users are on it, which seems incredibly high but uh...
2: yeah and they also own um, melon which is like the biggest although I think YouTube may have actually passed it but one of the biggest if not the biggest like um, streaming like music streaming um, platforms in Korea as well um, so, so they're yeah like they massive company um, but yeah they, sh- like they have the platforms but they don't have the content uh, which is what SM can provide them. So this seems like a great deal. They have all this money. Um, so yeah, uh, a line and Chrisley and yeah, they kind of work with cacao. Cacao's gonna buy, it was like enough shares to get them a stake at the table. And, and then. Um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then they also announced this SM 3.0 thing that really, really, really hammers it home. They make the announcement. We're moving to SM 3.0. Um, kind of really putting a bow on the fact that Lee Suman was out and gone. And, you know, thank you for your service. Little, little <laughs> did they know. <laughs> yeah. Okay conveniently they'd forgotten the fact that he was the majority shareholder and he did not like this deal he did not like anything about it and
1: just to be really clear he thought he was the the largest shareholder he doesn't have 51 percent, right i thought he had no he has the largest chunk like he he can't make decisions unilaterally but he has the largest chunk of shares of this company it's the biggest voting block At at the time right
2: yeah, at the time he had the biggest voting block, and there's something too that like not all the people that own stock can vote. It's totally possible. Like, That's like the thing f- that happens. Where you, yeah, where it's like you only need forty percent to have like a majority. Oh,
1: so then if he has eighteen, he's actually very close to being a majority shareholder.
2: Yeah, but he's the largest shareholder anyway, and so yeah, so he. Takes SM to court to stop this deal, and (laughs) which he does. And he also goes to um, Hybe and is like, Hey, do you want to be the biggest shareholder in SM? And Hybe's like, Yes, we do. And yeah, that kind of kicks off just weeks of of breathless K pop drama where, um, like, SM, like Chris Lee, made like a series of videos that were like, the oh, it's don't watch them. They're it's just like cringe, major cringe hours. Um, and Bang PD did what he did. He does best, which is like kind of go on CNN and MSNBC and places like that, and kind of puff himself up. I think it's during this time he's like on the cover of Billboard or whatever.
1: And and so um, just to just to like for those you know keeping score at home, like this is classic idol proven chops at producing idols sm entertainment they're maybe gonna get sucked into this huge platform company but instead in like this insane spoiler move their ousted former chief and founder tries to sell or does sell his all of his voting stocks to in some ways one of the company's biggest rivals In just a magnificent fuck you <laughs> to his nephew bringing Hybe within spitting distance of taking over in some ways like the kind of idle factory that they need to produce more content i mean in, in a weird way, this isn't exactly right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a little bit I, I think of this. Uh, Hive's move in this right is like I think of SM as like an old school uh, like movie studio you know right like maybe a little bit down on its luck but like knows how to make movies and Hive is like YouTube it like it does a new thing really successfully but like maybe doesn't have like the studio lot or the script writers
2: (laughs) yeah no that's that's a great analogy you know because I was thinking too of like um sort of what happened um, at like Disney when like Michael Eisner comes in Um, you know Disney had been so great at like the 2D animation and like doing a certain thing but then they'd been kind of down on their luck and then you bring in this Michael Eisner and who wants to like get rid of animation and let's do live action and yeah it's um, yeah but it's that is definitely the vibe of like a company that is good at one thing Knows what it's doing, has a, but it's not maybe growing in the same way that uh, a company like Hybe is. That's like the new, the new thing.
1: So now there's this like internal power struggle where like the current CEO of the company is pushing for one deal. And the founder and largest stakeholder is pushing for another deal. All of this out in the media. And it gets like... This is the drama. Like it got to some real boardroom drama. Uh, uh, my, my understanding is that to finish taking over the company, Hype has like makes us an offer for enough stock to bring it majority shareholding status, which because of all the attention, SM's stock increases enough that that offer does not make it. And then at that point, Hype blinks and pulls back from offering even more money to purchase the company.
2: Because I to be honest I think they didn't have it you know they had just bought that um, what is it quality uh, quality quality control control, right like they just bought that in February before all of this kicked off like I don't think they had the money Um, yeah they but yeah uh, Lee Sumon got paid though I think that's also important to remember in all of this. Like Lee Simon, not only does he still have like 3% of his stock still, um, but yeah, he got he got a nice paycheck from Hybe uh, for all of his shares. And I think, you know, he was crying all the way to the bank uh, when Cacao finally swooped in. And, and
1: yeah, it. and Cacao finally buys out Hybe's yeah, shares. With,
2: with the, there was like a Friday evening deal or something between the two companies and what comes out of it is that yeah cacao is going to take the majority uh, ownership stake but importantly again um hybe gets all of the sm artists on their platform weavers and it really i think was a win-win-win situation for all three companies
1: right Th- though and, and and while like the drama is maybe somewhat resolved and, and we'll go into what this win-win-win looks like and what it says for kind of the future of korean music and kind of the global music economy it's also important to note that fairly recently in like the last month or so there has now been a new investigation
2: yeah yeah into the, uh, the uh, contracts Yes.
1: oh sure. i mean i I was talking about there's a new investigation into whether there was a legal boosting of SM stock <laughs> right before, yeah, a legal potential investigation to whether there's illegal legal boosting of SM stock right before the final deadline. So it's possible that some more chicanery made it so that SM stock, which was just a little bit over what Hybe was offering, and if it hadn't been over it, the offer would have been accepted. And there's a question over whether its final stock price was, like, entirely kosher.
2: Anything is possible. Um, there's, yeah, financial chicanery is kind of hand-in-hand hand with uh, K-pop. That's, yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, something came out. But I was going to say, the um, there was another um, investigation into um, S.M., because it came out three of the members of oh XO, these contracts uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yes yeah so three of the members of XO um, came out after all of this went down um, to say that like SM had been not negotiating with them I guess on a, a, on a, a fair fair playing field and um, had been like refusing to show them how much money was coming in and, and all sorts of other things so, unheard
1: of in the music industry
2: <laughs> no one's ever done it before
1: no one's ever done it before no one will ever do it again
2: yeah yeah imagine that art is not getting treated fairly
1: um so to start kind of wrapping up this discussion i think that your mention of weverse is really really important because it seems like the the kind of um platformization ipization there's a, a kind of shift in That a lot of these moves are heading in the same general direction and kind of reflect, it seems like an understanding by many of the major, major, major players in K-pop about kind of the future of the industry as, as, as a profit machine, as, as an entertainment industry, really. And that, and that it's worth to kind of spend a little bit of time and kind of pick out what, what, what's going on there. So maybe, maybe to start with, you could tell just a little bit about about weavers and and its role in um, in uh in Hybe's, like vision of K-pop.
2: yeah so weavers um, originally started off as kind of um, part chat platform part like a uh, shop this was in like 2018 2019 maybe um, but over the last few years especially the pandemic accelerating everything um has kind of rolled up a lot of functions of sort of the online k-pop sphere that used to be spread out things like um streaming video um fan club sales um ticket sales um yeah like the the shopping elements um all of this stuff got rolled up into this one platform called weverse it's very unwieldy, unpleasant to use. There's a lot of complaints about it, but, um, everything is kind of getting funneled into this one app that, um, now you have, I think the majority of the big K-pop acts are, are on it along with, um, AKB48, which is the, one of the big idol groups, um, in Japan. They keep, trying to get western artists on it but i i just don't think unless it was like a taylor swift that you would really have a draw to weavers and they they keep adding more pieces um to this app like there's an albums part where you can like buy albums and and now you have to pay for everything in like the weavers currency um jelly but yeah jelly yeah uh, and yeah, so they just keep adding more and more functions, but it's very unclear to me, because um, I went back and looked at like the uh, monthly um like what did they it's like the unique monthly users or whatever that the um, yeah, and they keep promising way mm-hmm. more than actually turn up, and I think I, I think that the problem, that they're having with Weavers is the same problem that Kakao was having with its kind of K pop content platforms, um, is that they just don't have like the content. Like they don't have the IP. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than BTS, um, they're just not driving fans onto these platforms in the numbers that they would really need. Um and I and though
1: so they're buying up other platforms, right? I mean I I I read yeah. some like incredibly one of those weird things about internet culture is reading like heart-rending stories about entire worlds you don't understand at all, which is like the V Live eulogies.
2: Oh my god, that was really sad. I I have one up. Um yeah, so V Live was a platform uh done by Naver and they yeah, so Naver basically was like, okay, we're going to sell to Hybe and shut it down and they they did transfer some videos over but if you were an artist that was no longer active um or for whatever reason maybe your company had gone under um yeah like you were just out of luck or if you didn't have a Weverse account and you had paid for content on V Live, oops it's gone um it's just one of those things with like these virtual platforms. Digital dark ages. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fans were like frantically trying to download stuff. And I mean, yeah, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it was a pretty sad, sad day, but yeah, so they, they basically, they bought out V live, V live shut down. Um, they had this weaver's video, but you know, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Um, you know, there you have to pay for subtitles, or that's one of the things that Hybe has floated. That like subtitles, you used to just get them, um, or fans could add them, but now you're going to have to pay for them. I mean, it's just all of this, like monetization, like really wherever they can can squeeze it in. Um,
1: and and it's yeah. really interesting, I think, because my understanding from from talking and reading your work, talking to you and reading your work, is is that like K-pop is about so much more than just the music, right? There's a musical element, but it's really a, between a three and a seven dimensional art form. And there's, and, and that fan interaction and the cultivation of fan interaction and different kinds of fan interactions are all tremendously important. And that there are these kind of, you know, universes that, 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 that there's a sense among especially fans that kind of the, um, the, f- an artist's career is to a certain extent a co-creation between these community of fans and the idols. And it, it does, I mean, from a financial perspective, I mean, it makes sense that there'd be something really appealing for a company to try to bring not just like, you know, selling music or selling concert tickets or selling certain like, uh, like getting special glow sticks or, you know, all the different kinds of like monetary touch points, but to bring that entire social universe into kind of like a a walled a walled garden is like an like i can see why that's an appealing plan for for a company especially if they can get an increasingly large chunk of the truly major um idol groups on there
2: yeah absolutely and this is the thing about sm 3.0 that plan that was announced is that it kind of I mean it didn't have a weavers component, but essentially it laid out a vision that was very similar to what Hybe is already doing. <laughs> Which if you you know, knowing that there's this banker behind the scenes saying like, Hey, we can get more value out of our IP, so let's do what this other company that's getting a ton of value out of their IP is doing makes sense, right? And so like the the idea, you know, you have your primary content you know your yeah your concert tickets your albums but this stuff is physical right like there's only a certain number of concert tickets and can be sold i mean you can sell like online tickets maybe but i mean even then there's like a ceiling um and albums like you have to manufacture them like there's a physical album that has to get produced and we've seen what happened with like the vinyl backlogs and stuff um right but then sure. if you can move to that secondary level. Where you're you're removed from the concrete, you're removed from. You're selling
1: community back to the community at some level.
2: At some level, yeah, and you're but you're also selling. Um, you're selling a vision of this, this idol, um, and this idol group. That it's like disconnected, almost completely from from the real people, and the real reality. Of, of like a person getting up on stage and singing and dancing for you and smiling at you. I mean, one of the things that HYBE has done and I think that um, is, is also in the SM 3.0 plan is this idea of like, um, so HYBE has created um, these like cartoon avatars of BTS. Yeah, like digital, a- digital idol, idol stuff. stuff yeah. yeah, and they're using them in place of BTS. Like, they have um, their own, like, music videos, and they have their, you can see them on, like, advertisements and stuff. And unlike a real person, like, these cartoons are never gonna get arrested on stage for smoking marijuana in Busan. Like, you know, like, you can control them completely. And what I'm, sort of the thought that I am constantly coming to as all of this stuff kind of plays out is that, and this is what I was talking about with like the fourth generation stuff too, is that if you don't have that first level content, that's really good. That's driving fans to want to sign up for a fan club membership. I mean, I have a fan club membership, um, for a a Japanese, um, idol group, but like, I wouldn't do that if they didn't have that first level content, you know? And so it's like, that's the piece at the bottom of it. You can say that you want to move away from music, but if you don't have that music, what is fueling everything else in this ecosystem, you know? And I think that's also why that that SMIP was so, um, was like catnip to these big companies because they need that fuel. Sure. <laughs> like they need that fuel for their platforms. Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything to populate your, ecosystem of of metaverse concerts
1: yeah it's really interesting what you're saying just because uh you know to dive into the aesthetic for for a second he, hearing you talk about this kind of fear about losing that direct connection it's really fascinating you know for, as, as like a, a profound outsider to this like cultural and musical form i had thought about previously you know before you know talking to you before and and um doing research think, thought of k-pop as this almost like ostentatiously artificial form but it feels like hearing you talk about it that it's, it's actually it's like this um there's this amazing tension in the best moments between that reality and the performance of some sort of reality and that, that there's that walking that line is part of maybe what makes it so so exciting for folks
2: yeah yeah i think that's i think that's right it is a it's a balance between the real and the unreal, and the emotions at the bottom of, of everything are very real. Um, what you see on stage may or may not be real, but it feels real in the moment. Um, it's like going to see it, or it's like, you know, like Star Wars, like going to see a, a, if you've ever been in like the audience of, um, like a Star Wars movie, like that first opening night with all of the fans and just that, that energy that's in there. Um, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's that similar kind of feeling where, you know, the, the world on the screen isn't real, but it feels real in the moment. And especially to these fans who spend so much time and energy and, and, um, just being part of it, like it's, it becomes very
1: real. I think that's really interesting to, i mean there's so much that's interesting to me clearly <laughs> I we could ch- talk about this for for forever it's beyond fascinating but i i do want to kind of go back to to what we said about hybe's kind of spending spree right it buys scooter bronze i think it's holding it buys um then sets up hybe america with scooter Braun. uh a formidable figure who we're probably going to do an episode about as its CEO. Um, but right, right. And then it's making these big moves, buys quality control, buys the holdings, is making moves towards, uh, I would argue like, um, various kind of Latin American, uh, you know, broadly Spanish language music markets, which are also probably given the upward trend of that music kind of currently undervalued but not for long spaces maybe and it 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 does feel in this really interesting way that like reading that kind of diversification kind of away from the korean popular music that gave the company its base it, it strikes me that you know it strikes me that, that that maybe they're making a gamble right that with k-pop the thing about k-pop is in addition to like there's the SM version, maybe, which is that the core of K-pop is like the idol production chops and the relationship with fans and kind of the traditional industry. And another version, which is that it's this like ability to get people invested in a universe and then suck them into these monetized environments. I mean, I'm wondering, you know, reading record reading reports about Hybe, like whether they're trying to replicate a similar economic structure in different kinds of of, of music markets. Clearly, like, there hasn't been one of those. Like, Taylor Swift does not have the kind of platform infrastructure that BTS does. But if she did, she would make a lot of money.
2: Yeah, or uh, a One Direction, a Harry Styles. Same thing. If a Harry Styles had uh, his own app where you could have your own Harry Styles fan fiction and and all of that yeah yeah you could make or he could make a ton of money on that
1: yeah it's just really interesting to see these kind of like these techniques developed within one set of like kind of genres like maybe begin to circulate outside them
2: yeah and i mean um other industries are watching what is happening in korea and this is something actually when bang pd was doing his um sort of run of English language news shows. One of the things he said, um, flat out, was that other other industries are watching, and this was kind of a blip. Um, I guess it was it last year. So there was this uh, Brazilian singer Anita or Anita, who used K-pop charting techniques to get herself number one on global Spotify. Um, like studied what like their like her fans studied what K-pop fans had done and replicated it to get her a number one and the k-pop system is also in thailand they're um they're also kind of replicating this i mean on a much smaller scale but you know they're coming up behind um the philippines as well in their music industry um kazakhstan (laughs) you know like so other countries are watching and seeing what, what they're gonna do so yeah. Um maybe it was the the Brazilian uh like number one that really focused um their attention on on South America. But yeah, other other countries are definitely watching.
1: Kara, thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through this tangled K pop web. It's it's like one of the most fascinating areas in the global music industry. And it's just such a pleasure to get a chance to to discuss it with someone who like really really understands it
2: well no i'm happy you asked uh nobody in my real life enjoys hearing about this so <laughs> it's fun to talk